So when I was younger, it was in fifth grade, I got an invitation to the most popular birthday party spot in all of Owensboro, Kentucky. A new spot had opened up, and it was like this game place where you went, and they gave you tokens, and you played all these games, and there was this animatronic band that played up at the front of this thing, and they served unlimited pizza. It was the invite of the year, but I did not want to go. Why wouldn't you want to go, you ask? Because at that time and place in my life, I did not like pizza. And I knew what would happen. Because there would be lots of other people at this party. And the first thing that you do when you come in is that you sit down at these places and they bring out all the pizza and they say, eat up, kids. And any time that I was invited to a party that was kind of like this and I sat down, I had an empty plate. And they would say, what's the matter, Chad? Did you not find something? And I would say, I don't like pizza. And they'd be like, you don't like pizza? And immediately I was branded as the kid that didn't like pizza. There's something about sticking out in that way. You don't want the first thing that you experience when you go into a party to be kind of stuck out like a sore thumb kind of thing. What's interesting, though, is that this is the first story that we get of Jesus' ministry. Luke chooses this story to be the one that anchors us to who Jesus is and will be within this gospel. If you read the gospel of, of John, the first miracle, the first story that we get of Jesus' ministry, he goes to a wedding feast and he makes, he makes everything great because what does he do? He makes more wine. I mean, that's the kind of person you want to be named for, the winemaker. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, that's the kind of person you want to invite to a party, right? Not the kid who doesn't like pizza. But this is the story that, Jesus, that, that Luke tells of Jesus at the very beginning. The story of Jesus getting thrown out of his hometown church because he caused a ruckus. The story, as you heard, Jesus has just finished being baptized. He has gone off into the wilderness and been um, and gone through the temptations in the wilderness. And he comes back. And the Spirit takes him back to his hometown of Nazareth. And he gathers in the synagogue on that day. And he stands up, hometown boy made good, to read the scripture. 
And it's here that he reads these words that are meant to be comforting, that are meant to be inspiring, and that first they are received in that way. But things turn. Now, I have to admit that it's, it, this is, we don't know the inflection of, the, of that kind of phrase that turned things in the text. I don't know if you caught this today, but I felt like Marcy did a good job of reading it. The text goes, and they said to themselves, is this not Jesus or Joseph's son? Did you guys catch that? Now, that could be read a lot of different ways, okay? We could probably workshop it right now as, like, as aspiring actors as to say, how would you read that? Because it could be, isn't that Joseph's son? You know, we've all done that. Yeah, isn't that Joseph's son? Could be, isn't, isn't that Joseph's son? Or... Isn't that Joseph's son? I mean, we don't know how it's, how it's portrayed. We don't know what it's meant to say because it's not just that they're pointing out that that's Joseph's son. They're saying more than that. We all know those conversations. We've all been a part of them, you know, before where somebody says something, but they mean something else as well. This is a letter, by the way, um, Luke's gospel. It is... Yes, Luke's stories, but they are told to somebody else in a way that then they're shared out into the world. So we don't even get Luke's stories from Luke. These are Luke's stories as told to somebody else, which are then shared. So we don't know how this was meant to be said. But whatever the tone this is when things shift. Because before they were amazed, and next thing you know, they're taking Jesus to outside the city to throw him off a cliff. Now, to be, front, to be fair, there are no cliffs as we think of, like Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner, you know, off the side of the cliff, that kind of thing. It's more of like a hill. So it'd be like them going out to the side over here, over by the church, and just pushing Jesus off and down the hill. Okay? But nevertheless, they were trying to get him out of town as fast as they possibly could. They wanted Jesus to know that the words that he was speaking were not welcome in that town. Words can hurt and words can discourage people and they can be used as weapons. I found another letter this last week between two people that I greatly admire. One is Henry Nowen, who was an Episcopal priest he was a teacher at um, Harvard Divinity School. He was also a chaplain throughout his years, but more than anything, he's known as a beautiful writer of faith. If you have not found any of his books, I would encourage you to check them out. 
But he was good friends with another person that I looked up to. But I looked up to this person for much longer in my life, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Many of you know Mr. Rogers. I grew up on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I might not have liked pizza, but I loved Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. They were friends. I didn't know this. But I found a letter this last week from Henry Nowen to Fred Rogers. And it was some of the correspondence that they had gone back and forth with because Fred had sent him an article that had really been hurtful to Fred about the things that he was trying to do within his television program, but also his ministry to young people. And so Henry wrote Fred back. I read the article you sent me and can very well understand how much that must have hurt you. It must be really painful to be confronted with a total misunderstanding of your mission and your spiritual intentions. It is these little persecutions within the church that hurt the most. I simply hope that you are not too surprised by them. They come and will keep coming precisely when you do something significant for the kingdom. It has always struck me that the real pain comes often from the people from whom we expect real support. It was Jesus' experience and the experience of all the great visionaries in the church, and it continues to be the experience of many who are committed to Jesus. I don't think it makes much sense to argue with the writer of this article. He speaks from a very different plane and will not be open to your explanations. Some of the criticisms we simply have to suffer and see as invitations to enter deeper into the heart of Jesus. I won't send you some of the reviews I get of my books, but some are not very different from the tone of this piece. So I certainly feel a unique solidarity with you. Let us pray for each other that we will remain faithful and not become bitter and that we continue to return to the center where we can find the joy and peace that is not of this world. There's a lot that I appreciate in this letter and there's a lot that I appreciate within the text that was read today. First off, both of these beautiful pieces remind us that we're always encouraged to be in conversation with the world and not to just shut it off, especially those folks that are parts of our community. I found it interesting that Jesus reads the scripture, but it was their practice, even back then, that after the scripture was read, that they discussed it, that they began to engage around the text and began to dig into it, that they wanted to learn more about it and that each person had a voice, that Jesus was invited to share his thoughts on the text as well as just read it. That's good for me to hear because I definitely know that we here at White Oak Pond believe that intently. That it's not just about reading the scripture, but it's understanding it as well, seeking to find context within the scripture. 
and to also listen to the different voices in this space that can help give us insight into it. It also makes me feel better that there will be conversations that happen where they don't agree. So this is nothing new. There are going to be times that we're talking about texts, that we're talking about things within life, about faith and living, and we will not agree. But we're in this together. So while we might not agree, my prayer is that we not lose the dialogue. That we understand how to discern the spirit even in the midst of our disagreement. I really mourn the fact that within our culture right now, that this idea of uh, being able to talk about issues and not vilify the other side on either side, that we just lost that. We've lost the ability to deliberate or to, um, to really engage in, in fruitful conversation together. My hope and prayer is that we can regain that. And I do believe that the church needs to be a place where it starts. Because here's the thing. We're in this together. Whether we believe it or not, we are a community and we exist as a community because we are intrinsically linked together. One of the scholars that I read this last week that was looking at the text made an interesting, pointed out something very interesting out of the text today. Um, you may have heard that, that while they were talking, deliberating, arguing, that Jesus says that you may say to me, heal myself. Or you'll say, why don't you do the things that you did in Capernaum here in Nazareth? Now remember I said that in Luke's gospel, we don't know what he's done in Capernaum. That story hasn't been told. So something happened in Capernaum that caused the tempers to rise in Nazareth. And there's something interesting about that. Nazareth is a Jewish town. It's a town of people that have all grown up together, that all look similar, that all know each other. They knew Jesus when he grew up. Grew up. They knew Joseph. They knew his family. They knew their place. Joseph was a, um, not carpenter, but tecton, which is a craftsperson, someone who worked with their hands. There's not a whole lot of wood over there, but they have a lot of stone. So Joseph probably was a working class person. Rabbis didn't come out of the working class. Jesus was stepping up in his class. And the other thing that was happening is that Capernaum was not a Jewish town. It was a town that was up in the northern part of the area, and it was a part of the trade route. It was a diverse place that had people from all different walks of life. And Jesus was up there doing miraculous things 
with who knew, who knows who. The scholar wondered if it was the fact that Jesus was stepping away from his own people, stepping out of what they knew that he just should be doing, walking in his father's footsteps, that angered them the most. And Jesus reminds them that we are all community that we are all in this together. And the reality that we know even today, whether we want to agree with it or not, but that we as a community, not just here at White Oak Pond, not just here as Richmond, not just as Madison County or Kentucky, or even the United States, that we as a community of humanity are only as strong as the weakest part of who we are. And that just by pushing certain people supposedly out of the community, drawing them outside of the lines that we have drawn, does not make the community stronger. We, as people of God, as followers of Jesus, are called to speak words that unite, that bring people together that encourage, that lift up, that heal, that celebrate, that comfort, and that shine God's light in this world. How will we do that? That's where who we are comes into play. Because we all have different gifts. We all have different challenge talents to be able to share. We may not like certain foods. I'm not going to go to Marcy's to get the best pot roast in the area. But she might be able to get me to like mushrooms. Mike Jackson, working out on the grill, on the barbecue... He can make a mean hamburger. Now, will he listen to me when I suggest that we add a layer of peanut butter on the bottom? I don't know. But the beautiful thing about it is that as we begin to bring all of these different voices together, as we begin to celebrate them, to understand them for their beautiful diversity that they have, and as we come to a place where we lift those voices up, rather than squashing down the ones we don't want to hear, we engage in the hard parts of community. But where that hard stuff comes into conflict is where we can do the best and the most important work. I really wondered, I was like, why is this the first story that Luke gives us? Maybe it's to set us up to understand what living in the world, within the church, within community, within family is going to be about.
when we follow Jesus. And if that's the case, this is the perfect way to start. Let us go and create community to shine our light and to let our words speak in powerful ways. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.